I used to be bitter at the church. I know I said a couple times, or if you haven't heard, you will hear how after my grandmother passed, I hated God for, for a minute, you know, but that hate didn't budge his love for me and it wore me down. And the rest is, like they say, his story, but in this case, my story. And God has, you know, just never ceased at being an amazing father, the perfect parent, you know, and I love and appreciate him for loving me enough to not allow me to die in that life. I didn't want to die as an addict. I didn't want to die looking all shriveled up and, and I mean, just like a zombie in a casket, man, it's already bad enough. I'd be dead, but I didn't want to die like that. And he loved me enough to pull me from that life. So I, I want to live out the rest of my life just being a witness and being a, a living testimony, living proof that God is cold, man, that he he the best of the best of what what it is he do. He is the living God. And I stand on what he say because, you know, I've been idiot not to being that my life is a reflection thus far of what he can do. And it's just a. a a little drop in the ocean. This a drop. This this a drop of water in the entire earth body of water of what he has in store for me, my family, this community. You know, me and honor are committed, you know, um, to to take advantage of opportunities given to us and to help other people have opportunities. And, you know, at one time, like I was saying, I was bitter at the church because Man, I've heard so many churches pray for addicts, pray for people getting out of jails and prison. Yet I couldn't find a single church when I got home that would help me. And it's like, what are you praying for? You know, I mean, people, a lot of, I just didn't get it. The churches that I went to, I remember in our nonprofit, we wrote 40 letters to this church community. And two churches responded back and supported us and helping to get temporary um, housing for some people. And these were two churches we weren't even associated with, but we've begged and pleaded. And, you know, it goes back to bad thoughts I had as a kid. I used to always wonder, you know, where does money go that they collect in churches? I mean, yes, it's, I know we're supposed to take care of pastor and other people in the church, you know, but it's like, it's almost impossible to get a penny from a church you know, and they're the ones that are praying for the community and praying for the addicts. But very few churches are out here willing to walk the streets and to show the love of people in these communities. You know, but one church that truly has blessed and always has blessed me, even when I had a standoff with them downtown on Kirkwood in Bloomington, Indiana, you know, claiming this is my turf was the um, House of Prayer, the chain, Unchained Ministry in Bloomington, Indiana. I was in my 20s, man. This was back in the 90s when they had the sports arcade right there at the end of um, Kirkwood facing the entry to IU campus. And, you know, they came handing out pamphlets. And I didn't like the fact that they were downtown trying to convert people to Jesus when I'm down here trying to hustle and be, you know, fly guy with my little crew and we hanging out. And I pretty much told them, man, y'all got to go somewhere else with this. This is where we chill. We don't need your church stuff down here. And I, I just remember uh, Pastor Larry Mitchell and his team, um, who are great people um, that are out here in these trenches. They going into these cell blocks. They taking the love of God to these men and women. And, 
You know, even in, when you get out, you know, they got an open door for you. You can come in gym shoes, uh, blue jeans, suit, whatever. Just come on. And they'll do their best to help you out. I know because I'm a recipient of it. They're a church in action. And, you know, but they so few. But I remember that I wrote so many churches, man. We wrote handwritten letters. We knocked on doors. We delivered the letters. No response. No visit from a deacon or a church member just to see what they can do. And I, I, I for a while was just bitter at churches. And a lot of people in prison are they coming home. They don't got no faith, not only in the community, but they don't got no faith in the church community because all these prayers. Um, I, I look at it like, OK, sometimes when we pray for stuff, I think the prayer is answered from our actions of what we said. You know, for example, God, please help the homeless. OK, you go out and collect canned goods. I'm going to put it on people hard to give them to you and you help the home. I'm going to help the homeless through you. I'm going to help feed those that are hungry through you. But you have to get involved. You know, I heard this story one time of two Christian farmers. Um, they lived across the road from each other. There was a dirt road that um, split their land. That was the property line, the, the dirt road. Um, one of them had a couple hundred acres on this side. The other one had a couple hundred acres on the other side. And they were going through a drought. And they was out at their mailboxes one day and they got to talking about, you know, how they're going to lose crop. And and, you know, they sure could use some rain. And it led to them saying, let's let's pray. Let's ask God, you know, if his will, let us let us get some rain. Let's ask God to bless this. He owned it, the land. We just farmers taking care of his land. Let's pray about it. So they prayed about it. And the next day, one farmer got up and was sitting on his porch looking at the clouds while the other farmer got up and start preparing his field and the farmer on the porch um, went down and started talking to the farmer plowing the field, got his attention and said, you know, why are you out here preparing this field, man? You know, we it's a drought. They said we're not going to get any rain, you know, and what you're doing is, um, you know, you're wasting fuel, you're wasting time. And he was like, you know, I'm doing what we prayed about. He was like, what do you mean? It's like the other farmer just forgot even what they prayed about. And that that's the thing. How many people pray about something? But as soon as they say, amen, they're done. They don't even remember what they prayed about. They don't do a follow up of even what they prayed about. And, you know, and it shows a, you really didn't mean what you prayed about because no soon as you say, amen, you're done. What this farmer reminded him said yesterday, this time, yesterday afternoon, we prayed for rain. And he said, so I'm prepping my field, preparing for what we asked for, because I believe what I asked God for. So before the rain come, I'm preparing for the rain. So when it comes, I will be sitting on my porch, enjoying it, do what it do as I get my harvest, as I wait on my crops. And, you know, th that's what it is. And it reminds me of churches that I was experienced when I was incarcerated. I seen so many churches coming in there, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to us in prison, bringing us food at Christmas time and showing that they love us by bringing us dinners and telling us how they cooked all this food at their home. But then when I got out and contacted them same churches and told them who I was and that I remembered you from coming in prison, I need some help. All they really did was point me to somebody else. The bottom line of it is people, you can have a thousand resources in this community, but at the end of the day, what people coming home from prison need is a job and shelter, but they need some kind of income. And in other words, money. 
and nobody really wants to give an addict or ex felon money because they, they see it as a bad investment, a bad horse, but yet people a bad horse in a horse race, but people are all the time investing in all these bitcoins and things they have no control over, nothing that they don't even know who they're giving their money to. They're just going off what they hear and see on the news, but right here in their face are human beings that are suffering and, and sleeping in these parks in this community and their organizations out here, not not just big boys moving in mom, MUM made up my ink that me and my my wife Anna our founders and, and, and uh, contributors in and to, you know, we there there are many others, but no one really wants to help nonprofits, not the way that they need to be helped. You know, some nonprofits. Yeah, they getting the support, but it's not trickling down. They getting the financial seed, but it's not trickling down to the men and women that need it. But there are some nonprofits out here that are hands on with these men and women, but their hands are tied because they can't get the resources enough. They can't get the financial seed enough to turn um, giving seed into sowing seed. They only get enough to make it through that month, but they don't get enough to really build and establish something to where it began to produce and recreate because there's so much red tape and but when it comes to churches they got that freedom they got the freedom of being able to give and support and to help and man when I came home I couldn't stand no church I couldn't I, I just couldn't believe all the churches that we wrote only about two churches wrote back two churches wrote back man and they gave us um the help we needed and in, in putting a shelter temporary shelter over someone's head and to get gas to put in the vehicles that we use to get people back and forth to work that don't got no driver's license because that's one of the obstacles coming home men and women get jobs but they can't get to the jobs because they ain't got no driver's license so not only do we use our personal cars but we now also have been blessed with a bus that the house of prayer gave us you know, and we had an exhaust system put on it. Um, but Larry Mitchell and his team at the House of Prayer in Ellisville here in Bloomington, Indiana, they gave us a, a shuttle bus and, you know, it's running and we're looking forward to being able to use it as more and more people need rides back and forth to work. But yeah, for a while, man, I couldn't stand churches. They do all that praying. There's family members in there. You know, you got a son or daughter dealing with addiction or homeless or coming from prison. But yet when there are organizations out here doing things to help the men and women you praying for, you won't even support the organization to, to be the answer to the prayer you asking God for. You know, I mean, what, what did that what did Jesus tell that guy that was by the well when he said, uh, um, when he walked by and he said, Lord, I've been like this all this time. Ain't nobody helped me. And then I do people knock me down. Jesus said, get yourself up and walk, you know, and it's like help your own community, you know, help your own community. But yeah, like I said, man, I just wasn't mad at God at one time. I was mad at the church because it was like y'all the same people that gave all this hope to us in prison. You come in there throwing all this hope seeds and feed me and, you know, Man shouldn't live on Christmas dinners alone or Thanksgiving meals at the chapel alone, you know, but on the word of God. So when I got out, you know, and loved our neighbor, there wasn't no love. There wasn't no love, man. You you on your own, you know, and you have to. I'm not saying that God ain't real. I, I, I just know from experience, a lot of people that pray and pretend that they care about other people. That ain't real. And that's just my experience. And. It's also is not saying that all churches like that. Nah, I just had experiences with quite a few of them to where they they bring you the message, but when you come to them about the message, that message ain't fulfilled. 
And so how do you expect people, babies in Christ, babies in faith, babies in whatever religion or faith that was shared unto them? What, what do you expect them to do when they come home and then reach out to the very people that come in there promoting what it is they believe when they come to you? There ain't no belief. You know, there is no fruit to go along what you was just telling me. You know, I'm homeless. You know, I'm jobless. You know, I ain't got nothing, but I come home. And it's thousands of you guys in this building or, or you sitting on millions of dollars, but you can't help me get a place to stay. But you telling me to praise God and to keep my faith. It's no knock against God. God is real. God going to always be real, you know, but I'm, I'm telling you the issues and the mentalities of people coming home. And one of the things that contribute and there's a lot of them, you're going to hear a bunch of them as living proof goes on. One of the things that contribute to them reoffending and going back is that when they come home and they reach out to the church body that was bringing them this message in the prison, there ain't no help for them. 